Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus. We're going to get into the Word today. Uh, we are in our second week of a nine-week series called God Will Make a Way. We're going to look at the life of Moses. And uh, last week I spoke a message that I really believe was a prophetic message for many people. The Lord gave me that uh, a thought and, uh, when I preached up in uh, Edmonton at Kingdom Church. Shout out to Pastors Harrison and Christy Chaka. Uh, they just had their new little baby boy. Uh, and uh, you don't know who they are, but I do. And that's kind of what matters right now. So, um, But they're awesome people. And anyways, I was preaching up there. And I, the Lord gave me a word. And I, I preached that word last week at our church as a setup for the series. And the whole concept of last week was kind of an overarching idea for you to understand what the next nine weeks are all about, that God will make a way even when things don't make sense. What we talked about last week, and the reason I want to say it again is because I want to encourage you, if you missed last week, we did one service last week, and so I know a lot of you were traveling and going on vacation and, and celebrating the holiday, which is fantastic. Uh, I want to encourage you to go back and listen to it. We talked about how uh, it doesn't make sense, and how sometimes all throughout the journey of, uh, of the Israelites and Moses, God would lead them into situations that just didn't make any sense. If you look at the stories and try to calculate the purpose behind it, you would find there were times all throughout the story where God would lead them to the desert where there's no water and he'd lead them into a, a, a basically dead ends. And, but we have to understand something that God will make a way when things don't make sense. God will make a way when things uh, are hard to understand. God will make a way. Amen? Amen. Okay, remember, I like you talking to me today. So I remember, I'm American and I like loud church. And so, come on, I want to hear the left side. Let me hear you say amen over here. That's, that was not very good. Okay. You in particular did very good, but they did not. Okay. How about this side? Let's beat them, guys. Come on. Amen. Wow. You guys are... Any Americans over here? Come on. Let's try it again. Let's hear an amen. amen. All right. That's good. You can talk in church just as long as you're not heckling me. That's okay. And if you feel like you have a prophetic word during the sermon, wait till the end, okay? Get up. I have a word. Don't do that, okay? Uh, but come on. God's going to make a way. Where there is no way. And what we've been talking about, and today we're going to look a little bit at uh, uh, Moses' kind of upbringing a little bit. And today we're going to talk about, uh, every week I'm going to have a little, a little thought, a little saying. Last week was, uh, it doesn't make sense. This week is, it's a setup. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, it's a setup. We look at Moses' family, and just a little, we're gonna, what we're going to do is we're going to read 10 verses today, and on the outside, it looks as though, like, it's just a perfect story how God is making a way. God is, uh, we see the, the beginning of the story and the end of the story. We see the purpose of God all throughout, interweaving uh, his purposes, and we see that by the end of our 10 verses, God did exactly what he needed to do. He took Moses exactly where me, Moses needed to go. God made a way for his purposes to prevail. And one thing we remember last week we talked about is that the overarching perspective that God will make a way, but you have to trust that he will. That God will make a way, but you have to trust him. And God will make a way, but we have to remember that this life is not about our glory or our satisfaction and our provision and our benefit, even though it is. It's really about God's glory and God's benefit and God's provision and God receiving all the glory. Can I hear amen? amen. 
And so what we learned last week was that, and that as we look at the story of Moses, we're going to zoom in on his life. We can look at him and recognize a few things historically, that uh, Moses was born to Amram and uh, Jochebed, and uh, you know, in those days, well, I won't go there this time, but uh, the, the, should I not, Andrew? No, okay, I'll just keep going. Okay, uh, Amram and Jochebed, you can listen to the first service if you want to know what I'm talking about. Amram and Jochebed were, were, were considered in the hallmark of faith of Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11 talked about how these individuals were great people of faith and in fact they were in the line of the Levites and they were the tribe that would eventually carry the Ark of the Covenant and be in charge of the presence of the Lord and the Shekinah glory of God. These individuals were a man and a woman of God. They were called by God. In fact, Jochebed, Jochebed's name, her name, uh, Moses' mother, was the first name that a person's name identified with God. Her name means God's glory. We see in this story that uh, that Abraham or Moses had two older brothers. He had an older brother named Aaron and an even older sister named Miriam. And in this context of our story today, we start with 400 years had passed since Joseph was in the second in command in, in Israel or in Egypt rather. And he was uh, instituted all these, uh, these, these different things to help uh, the people of God survive during a famine. And all of these different things that he instituted 400 years prior led to the actual slavery of the Israelite people. And now these people had been in slavery and they forgot about Joseph and they didn't know about Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and the Egyptians were, were worshiping other gods and these Israelites were now slaves to the Egyptians. They ran the service industry and built the, the different buildings and now they were being oppressed and Pharaoh realized that these people were growing and seeing so much success and multiplying so much that these people were gonna get a wise idea to rise up against the Egyptians and would overtake their, their people. And so Pharaoh instituted a plan. He said, okay, across the nation, any midwife who is, is there helping Israelite Hebrew women birth children, you must kill them as they're coming out of the womb. And all these midwives, these women, these women of God feared the Lord and said, we're not going to do that. And so they began to let the, 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 the women have their children. And they, they came to them and said, what are you doing? We told you to kill these babies. And they said, well, these Hebrew women, they pump babies out like a factory. <laughs> By the time we get there, the baby's already crawling. It's crazy. Like he's spoon fed and like he's saying his ABCs. And man, these people of God just like pump out babies. And then every time we get there, and so because of that, God blessed these midwives with even more children. And so Pharaoh realized this wasn't working. So he set a decree and a mandate across the entire nation that every young Hebrew baby boy must be drowned in the Nile River. And so every child that was born and every young Hebrew baby boy would be thrown into the Nile River to die and to drown. So that's the context of where we are today. And the reality is, is that as we look at this story, we will see that this is absolutely a setup. As I mentioned, we see the end from the beginning. We get the privilege of seeing what God's purpose is. We know what God's purpose is, right? God wants to use Moses. You've heard the story. You went to Sunday school. He wants to use Moses to deliver the people of Israel out of Egypt, right? He had to get him back into Pharaoh's courts. How is he going to do it? And so he had a big overarching plan, but God will make a way. And here's the idea today. You need to understand something. You might not see it. You might not feel it. 
You might not understand it. You might not be aware of it. You might not even want it. But God is actually working right now behind the scenes to set you up to fulfill his purposes in your life. You might not be the center of attention. You might not even be the Moses in the story. You might be someone else. God is absolutely using your life to fulfill his purposes. You might just think that your life's all about getting up, going to work, coming home, watching Netflix every day through the motions and doing the things or going Oh, here's summertime. We're going to go on a week vacation like we do every year. We're going to go camping and come back. And every year we do the same thing. My life's just monotonous rat race. And the reality is this. That is not the case. God has a greater purpose that no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what the Lord has prepared for those that love him. God has a purpose for your life. God has a purpose for you. He has an ultimate glory for your life. God wants to fulfill his purposes and his kingdom through your life. It's not just about you. It's about God. It's about his glory. It's about his kingdom. It's about advancing his kingdom. And God wants to use you to set it up. You need to understand that today. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ in the room today, and you think that your life is not involved in the very purposes of God, that is a naive thought to think that God does not have a plan for you. He's setting you up. He's preparing you. And I don't know what season you're in. In the story today, you might be in verse one or verse 10. I don't know if you're in the palace or you're in Midian or you're already in the desert. I don't know what your story's at, but I need you to hear me today. This is a prophetic word for your life. There is a purpose for you. God's got a call for you. There is something unique for you. And it might not end in you being the Moses. It might end in you helping the Moses become the Moses. But God has a purpose and he is setting you up. I don't have my phone. Where is it? It's a mystery. There it is. Let's turn our Bibles. Thank you, Vince. Exodus chapter two. Come on, how many of you have your 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 paper Bibles here today? Come on, anybody? Paper Bible. Let me see it. Come on, paper Bible. Come on, no Mormon Bibles allowed. Just paper Bibles. That's a joke. Okay, are you guys okay today? You guys, you guys, you know, you you. Let's see your personality a little bit today. Come on, how many Bibles do we have in the room? Anybody? Come on, all right, get your phone up. It's okay, come on, that's good. Hey, welcome back, Tommy and Deborah are here. They're married, everybody. Come on, we're gonna read God's word, amen? Amen. Amen. It's living, it's active, and it's true. So I encourage you today, get your Bible off the shelf if you can, or get it out of your side table, bring it to church with you. Uh, Also, your digital Bibles work. We do have it on the screen. The reason you have your Bibles is because what happens is the Lord begins to speak to you, and the moment he speaks to you in the sermon, you can care less what Ryan says any longer. You just want to hear God's word. So he does, he speaks to you. And if you don't have a Bible or you're not taking notes, you're listening to me, which is good, but the Holy Spirit might have something completely different to talk to you about. He might have already spoken to you right now and I got nothing to write with. I can't write it down. How do we have the scriptures? Somebody wrote it down. So I want to encourage you today. Pastoral moment. Bring your Bible. Bring a pen. Bring a piece of paper. Because we came today to hear the voice of the Lord. Amen? And his voice doesn't sound like me. (laughs) It sounds like you. When he speaks to you, it's your voice. He speaks to you and he whispers to you. And I want you to write it down because he wants to begin to show you what his purpose is for your life. Come on, Exodus chapter two, verse one. Let's read it together. It says, it's about this time. 
A man and a woman from the tribe of Levi got married and the woman became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She saw that he was a special baby, an, or, an, an unordinary baby. He was unusual. History tells us that Moses was so beautiful that when people would walk by him, they would stop and be shocked at how beautiful that he was. Many, our narrative today, our understanding today would be that there was something special about him. He had the call of God on his life. It was the presence of the Holy Spirit. There was something unique about Moses. She saw that he was a special baby and kept him hidden for three months, but when she could no longer hide him, she got a basket made of papyrus reeds and waterproofed it with tar and pitch. She put the baby in the basket and laid it among the reeds along the, the bank of the Nile River. The baby's sister then stood at a distance watching to see what would happen to him. And soon Pharaoh's daughter came down to bathe in the river and her attendants walked along the riverbank. And when the princess saw the basket among the reeds, she sent her maid to get it for her. And when the princess opened it, she saw the baby. The little boy was crying and she felt sorry for him. This must be one of the Hebrew children, she said. Then the baby's sister approached the princess. Should I go and find one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? She asked. Yes, do, the, the princess replied. So the girl went and called the baby's mother. Take this baby and nurse him for me. The princess told the baby's mother, I will pay you for your help. So the woman took her baby home and nursed him. Later, when the boy was older, his mother brought him back to Pharaoh's daughter who adopted him as her own son. The princess named him Moses for she exclaimed, I lifted him out of the water. Come on, this is a setup. How many of you have ever had a moment where you feel like you're being set up in a bad way? <laughs> when I was about 21 years old, I just got married. I was married for about four months. My wife was 19, or I was, sorry, 23. She was 20, 20 years old. And uh, we got a phone call from a travel agency. And the travel agency said, congratulations, you have just received a really cheap trip to Las Vegas. I thought, she says, no strings attached. I said, this is fantastic. She goes, you can go to Las Vegas. Now, my wife was under 21, so she wasn't allowed to any of the rooms anyway. So all we wanted to do was just go sit in the heat by a pool. And so we said, praise God, we are heading out to this vacation. So we went to uh, Las Vegas, last service, one lady shouted, and it was like everyone persecuted her. It was like, she was like, woo! Like, oh, am I supposed to do that? Because everybody was so upset about Las Vegas. Anyways, we sat, we got there, and we were so excited, but the pool was broken, so we couldn't go to the pool. And when we got there, right away, all we had to do was pay $500 for five days in Las Vegas, and I thought that was a pretty good deal. Why, when we checked in, it was all really odd. They ushered us into this room that had padded seats, similar to these, with little weird paintings on the wall. And as I walked to this room, I saw that on the left side of me, there was people who were very happy, drinking champagne, had balloons. Congratulations! And on the right side was angry, somber, sad people. And as I walked down the hallway into this room, I thought, this feels like a setup. After that, we were told to come into this next room. And as we walked into this room, it was a beautiful theater. And they sat us down and we proceeded to watch this most incredible, beautiful video about family, legacy, and vacations. And as I sat there watching this video, the main theme was, don't you care for your family? Of course you care for your family. If you cared for your family, you would vacation with us. 
So as I sat there and the gentleman from Las Vegas, who was an incredible man, he said he met Marilyn Monroe and was here for 50 years, was an incredible guy. And he says, man, don't you care about your family? And as I sat there, I said, yes, I do care about my family. And he said, okay, today and only today, I'm offering you at the cheap price of $50,000 for one week every three years. And I said, yes, I love my family so much, but this feels like a setup. And as I sat there, he says, do you love your family? I said, yes, I love my family. He said, sign the dotted line. And I grabbed the pen and I was about to sign the dotted line. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me. Her name is Stephanie. She says, you are an idiot. <laughs> and I looked at her and said, bless you, sister of the Lord. And I, she pulled my finger back from it. I said, but honey, I care about my family. And this is important. She says, Ryan, it's a setup. It's just not what you think it is. You're going to end up paying all this money and you only get one week every three years. I'm like, it sounds amazing. I was being set up for failure. And finally we said no after six hours. We said no. And they said, well, how about this much? And how about this much? And then eventually they got down to a price. I'm like, okay, $5,000. I'm in. Steph's like, no, you idiot. Don't do it. She ushered us down a room, and as I sat in this cubicle with a very sad man who said, are you sure today this is your last chance? There was no pictures on the wall. I leaned back in the cubicle beside me, and people were partying with champagne and balloons. Congratulations! You care about your family! And I realized that day that I had been set up. I went all the way there, and I was at a timeshare, which I like timeshares. I actually would love to have one one day, so if anyone has one, they want to sell me for super cheap. I'm here. $50,000 is my budget. <laughs> Just kidding. I felt like I was being set up. And as I was there, it was like this setup that didn't feel right. Haven't you ever felt that before? That you're walking into a place and you feel like, man, this just feels the words too good to be true. The man, it feels like, man, something that I'm going through right now. It feels like the cards are stacked against me. It feels like this is not, it's just it's too good to be true. There's no way that this is going to turn out like I hoped it will turn out. And see, we see throughout the scripture today that this setup that God was, it looked like it was difficult. It looked like it was challenging. It looked like things weren't going to work out. But God made a way to set up Moses to get him where he wanted him to be. It feels like, man, I don't know, it feels like God is in this. If we had that moment, man, it feels like things are working out. It feels like God is in this. It feels like God is causing the doors to remain open. It feels ultimately like God is making a way for something important in my life. There's seasons of our life where we feel like, oh my gosh, what is God doing? I don't understand it. Why is he leading me on this journey? Even though it feels difficult and even though it feels hard and even though I don't know what's next, I feel like God is in this. He's setting me up for something good. And this is where we come in the very beginning of the story of Moses where we can see the end result, the end to the beginning, the beginning to the end. And as we read the scripture, we recognize today that they were told to get rid of their child by throwing that child in the Nile River and drowning them. And you need to understand something today that this idea we see in scripture in Exodus chapter two, verses one to 10, we can look at it, as I said, and we literally can see God made a way. We can say God is in this. But if we zoom in a little bit closer, we realize something very unique and very interesting about this story. That in order for God to set Moses up where he needed him to be, in order for Moses to be able to step into his calling, to be able to save the people of Israel from being slaves in Egypt, there was a line of people 
who were willing to say yes to God's call. There was a line of men and women along the journey who chose to surrender to the call of God and obey what God was asking them to do. Let me say it like this. God's setup is built on your surrender. Your yes gives God permission to set you up. Every God setup requires a godly response. That when God is trying to set you up in life, God is trying to get you to the place, that, that, that ministry or that job or that relationship, God is trying to set you up. And if we step back on our life and we see the beginning to the end, you can say, wow, look how faithful God was. Look how good God is. Look at all the things he's done in my life. But if you zoom in, you realize every single step of the way, there was a radical request from God for you to give something up, for you to lay down that Thing, to you to repent of that sin, to you to stop having that attitude, for you to go all in for God, to say, God, I, I don't want to do this. this. This is difficult. I don't want to quit my job and move there. God, I don't want to go down this direction. Or God, I don't want to give up that thing I've been holding on to. God speaks to you and says, hey, I need you to be radically uh, engaged in my, my kingdom and say yes to my purposes. Why? There is a bigger story. I'm trying to set you up for something good. And it requires a yes. God wants to set you up, but it requires a godly response. If we look at Amram and, 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 and uh, Jochebed, we choose the, who, these two had a child and they chose, despite the fact that if they were to be found with this child, they would take the entire family in the street and murder them in front of the square, in front of all the people. They knew that if they kept this child, it would mean their life. And they feared God so much that even though they were facing a challenging situation, they chose to put God first over their fear, over their death, doubt and over every single concern that they had. Can you imagine for a moment when Jochebed was laying in that bed about to give birth and his midwife is like, push! And she's like, I am pushing! Push harder! I am! Stop it! Shut up! She's pushing this baby out of her body and as the baby comes out the midwife says, oh my gosh! Listen to that cry! It's a boy! Amram Jacobed realized at that moment how they were so excited for the gift of God, so excited for this beautiful child, so excited that God would give them them, but also the fact that they're supposed to kill it. They're supposed to drown it in the Nile River. And they were conflicted in that moment, realizing, oh my gosh, we're gonna have to make a hard decision that this child, my goodness, Pharaoh's decree, what if we get caught? What if our neighbors who killed their child finds out and is upset with us for keeping our child? What are we gonna do? But the Bible tells us exactly what they did in Hebrews chapter 11. By faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw that he was no ordinary child. They saw the purposes of God. They saw the presence of God. They saw that there was something unique and special. God spoke to them and said, listen, I know this is going to be hard. I know this is going to be difficult, but I need you to understand I have a plan and a purpose for this young boy, Moses. And so I want you to, uh, I don't want you to be afraid of the king's edict. And so by faith, they chose, I'm not going to allow this fear or this worry about what this decision will mean. I'm going to trust in the Lord and recognize it's about God's glory, not my glory. It's about 
God's kingdom, not my kingdom. It's about God's way, not my way. God says, I'm trying to set your son up, but I need you to say yes. And they tried to keep him safe for three months. As you know, if you've had a newborn baby, how challenging is it to keep your child quiet at night when they start to get a little bit hungry? They start to toss and turn and things start to get a little challenging and they're, they're squirming and they're whimpering. And how do you know that goes from a little mild cute cry to a demonic shrill cry, right? I mean, not my child, but maybe yours. Mine's just a shrill, but it's just a scream. Ah! They're trying to keep Moses quiet. And they're like, oh my gosh, Moses, shh, like, shh, trying to keep him. They say, what are we going to do? They're laying in bed. Amram's like, what are we going to do? They're going to get caught. Jacobin's like, I don't know, but I just don't want to give up my child. And Amram has a, he says, hey, listen, well, I have an idea and you're not going to like it. Now, in those days, in ancient times, for, a, uh, for someone to put a baby in a, a reed basket in the water was kind of like our modern day way of abandoning a child to an adoption agency or you know, to a firehouse. Or you would drop your child off there and say, I don't want him anymore. And it was a natural ancient way in which they would, they would basically say, hey, whatever happens, happens to this child. We're gonna let it go down the water. And if, if it gets taken care of, great, but it's no longer my responsibility. I'm just, listen, I know that's not our heart. I know we don't wanna abandon the child. I know that's not our desire. But listen, I think this might be the only thing. Jacob, there's no way, Jacobed, there, there's no way, she says, that I am going to put my child in a reed basket. I'm not going to abandon my child. I'm not going to, we can figure something out. We'll put duct tape over his mouth, for goodness sakes. Like, I don't know what we're going to do, but I'm not going to abandon my child until eventually she realized this was the only answer. I have to, and remember, said, listen, God's going to take care of him. We need to trust to the Lord. We need to do what we can because there's something special about this child. There's something special. There's a call of God in his life. And the Lord is prompting us and speaking to us and stirring us to do this. It's hard for me to take my little child and put them in a reed basket into the water and I have to completely and fully trust that the Lord will take care of my child. I have to do this. I know that if I don't, Moses won't get where he needs to go. So here's Jochebed. She's laying there and she's beginning to methodically build this ark. Only two times in scripture is this word used uh, in scripture, the reed basket is the same word for ark used for Noah. And here we see is the intention was to throw your child into the Nile River to be murdered. She was going to put her child in the Nile River to be uh, rescued. And she begins to methodically put this together, the flexible material to be able to withstand hard objects and soft objects and covered it with pitch and put the inside with bitumen. And after laying her hands on this reed basket, she began to pray, oh, Jehovah Jireh, oh, Al Shaddai, oh, Elohim, please protect my child. I don't know what's gonna happen to this child. I know that you're asking to be radically engaged and say yes. I know you're building upon your purposes or building upon my yes right now. This is one of the hardest things I've ever done to put my... A beautiful child in the reed basket in the water but God it's your glory not mine I'm gonna put my trust in you and he walked out there and little did she know that while Jacobed was preparing this reed basket on the other side just a block down was a young woman the princess Pharaoh's daughter and what we didn't realize in the text from Pharaoh's daughter history shows us that Pharaoh's daughter was the only child their other two children of Pharaoh's Pharaoh's two uh, other sons had died and she didn't have any children and she had never been married. And some, some say that she was actually barren. And so she was crying out to the gods, gods, if I don't have a child, there will be no heir to the throne of Egypt. If I don't have a child, our, our, our kingdom's gonna go away because my father's losing his mind, killing all these children. 
If I don't find a child or find a husband or find a way or to, to find a gods, will you help me? Little did we know that in the courts of Pharaoh is this princess who's unable to have children and she's frustrated and she's discouraged and she decides one day, you know what? I'm gonna go down to the water. I'm gonna wash my arms and wash my face. And I'm gonna, they used to wash the clothes down there as well, even royalty. I'm just gonna clear my head and I'm just gonna get out. I'm gonna go down there and I just need to figure this out. And she goes out and as she walks out to the water, she's standing there and it just so happens that this reed basket, see, all of their willingness, now God has taken over. That wind blew at just the right time and the current moved at just the right pace and the wave shifted at just the right moment, just in time for that reed basket to go down the water and all of a sudden show up right in front of the princess who was looking for a child to be the next heir in the Egyptian throne. And as she looked at it, she heard this crying off in the distance and she grabbed this reed basket and she opened it up and she saw this Hebrew baby that she was decreed to murder. And in that moment, she realized that God had provided the savior for Egypt. This child will be the heir to the throne. This child will be the next prince of Egypt. This child will be the next Pharaoh. This child was sent to me by the gods to save Egypt. Little did she know that God had a different plan. Behind the scenes, she looks at this child and Miriam, while her Jacobed put the, put the, the, the reed basket in the water, Miriam is watching this thinking, ah, what is she doing? What is mom doing? Why is mom sticking my baby brother in that water? What's going on? She doesn't know what's going on. So she says, you know what? I'm gonna go and I'm gonna make sure that I can follow along and make sure this baby's okay. So she pushes through the bushes and she's following along and she stumbles upon the princess. And if she gets caught by the princess, the princess could take her as a slave in, 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 their, in their home. And so she doesn't wanna get caught. And so she stumbles out and she pulls back and there's the princess and she's poking her head over and she watches the whole scene. And finally something comes over this young girl, Miriam. And she says, boldness just filled with in her and she bursts through the weeds and she says, ma'am, um, do you think that maybe I could go and find a mother for this Hebrew baby? In this moment, this young girl made a bold decision to step out in faith, to put herself in harm's way, to put herself at risk for the purposes of God. And she said, hey, and who knew it? This woman looked at this young girl and said, that's a great idea. Here, this Miriam ran home. She says, mom, you are never going to believe what just happened. Yahweh, he is the king of kings. You gave your child and laid them down. And now guess what? The very child that you radically gave up is now going to be brought back into your care for you to wean. And guess what, mama? You're going to get paid to do it. They're gonna get paid to breastfeed. They're gonna get paid to get up at night. They're gonna get paid to teach them to talk. And that child went back into the arms of her mother. And for six years, Jacobet and Amram taught that six-year-old child, this is who Jehovah Jireh is. This is who Abraham is. This is who Isaac is. This is who Jacob is. This is the God that we serve. This is Elohim. This is the God's purpose for Israel. There's a purpose on your life, Moses. You're gonna lead the people of God. You're a redeemer. You are, you are sent by God to redeem and save people six years they poured in and they poured in and they poured in until one day the Lord came to them they had a moment they had to make a decision the scripture says that they took Moses back to Pharaoh's court now think about it for a moment if you were in this situation wouldn't you just pack up your bags and leave town kids get in the car 
We're not letting our family get split up again. But no, she knew. God, I know you are asking me to do something radical. You're asking for my yes. You're asking for my obedience. I don't like it, God. I don't want to let my six-year-old son go. I don't want to give this up. I don't want to lay this down. But God, this isn't about my glory. This isn't about my purposes. This isn't about my way. God, this is about your purposes and your way. And that Jochebed and Amram walked their child back to the courts of Pharaoh and said goodbye to their six-year-old son. Little did they know that God was setting them up. Pharaoh's daughter thought that he was going to be the prince and the savior of Egypt, but he turned out to be the savior of Israel. He's brought into the courts of, of Egypt. Do you know that Moses was not a blubbering fool? He wasn't didn't have the inability to communicate like many people say, like he just couldn't talk. No, no, the scripture actually says that he was trained in all areas of Egyptian matters. Astrology, medical, or medicine, math, uh, uh, philosophy. He, he learned languages. He was a wise and smart person. In fact, that's what Stephen said about him in Acts 7.22. Moses was taught all the wisdom of the Egyptians and he was powerful in both speech and action. See, what Jochebed and Amram didn't understand was that their radical yes to God, even when it hurt, meant that it was going to position Moses to be in a place for 34 years where he would learn what it was like to be a man of God and learn what it was like to reject the sins of the Egyptians and learn what it was like to see the atrocities going on. If it wasn't for Jochebed and Amram's yes, we never would have seen that happen. God wants to set you up, but he also wants you to say yes. He wants your yes. I feel this strongly today. I know I'm talking to somebody. There's some people in the room today and there's stuff going on in your life and you're holding on to something tight. And God says, I want to tell you, no eye has seen. You've not seen it. You've not heard it. You haven't even understood it. What I have prepared for you. Oh, the scripture says in Romans chapter 8, 26. And we know that in all things, not just the big things, not just, oh, should I quit my job or should I marry this person? Though important, also the small things, the daily things, the small things, the attitudes, the mindsets, the perspectives, how you treat your spouse, how you live your life, all of those little tiny moments of surrender every day. In all things, God is absolutely working. He works for the good of those who love him and who are who have been called according to his purposes. If you're here today and you say, Ryan, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, I have news for you. You've been called according to his purposes. If you love Jesus Christ here today, I have news for you. God is working right now to get you and position you, to set you up for the next season of your life, set you up for that new relationship, set you up for that new job, set you up for that new ministry, set you up for that moment and the season of life when your life is gonna bring all the glory to God, but all he needs from you is a radical surrendered yes. I obey, I obey you, Lord. 
You don't want me to do this anymore? I obey. You don't want me to talk like that? I obey. You don't want to look at that? I obey. You don't want me to be in this relationship? I obey. You want me to quit this job? I obey. You want me to move there? I obey. I obey. I obey. I obey. Yes, God, whatever you want, whatever you need from me, it is about your kingdom, not my kingdom, because God will make a way in your life, and it will set you up for things that you never thought or imagined, because let me hear me today. God's way and God's life and God's purposes are far better than ours. On the other side of life, when you look back at your life, you know what you're going to do? You're going to look back and you think, man, I wish I would have chosen differently there, done this differently. But you're going to look back and see, man, through all my choices and all my decisions, God always found a way to get me where he needs me to be. But I'm here to tell you today from personal experience, you want to know what makes it easier? A yes. What takes forever and why we wander in the desert for 38 years, 40 years, is because we keep saying no. No, God, I don't want to give up that. No, God, I don't want to do that. No, God, and he says, okay, I'm going to keep you in the desert to keep you learning. I'm just trying to get you to a place where I can bring you into the very place that I had intended for you from the foundation of time. So maybe you're here today and you've got to know in your spirit or you've got something you're holding on to or something heavy in your life or you're dealing with loss or pain. I haven't been in your shoes, so I can't even begin to understand. I don't want to pretend to. What I do know is this. If we simply just surrender to the Lord, take up our cross every day and follow after him, the Bible teaches us very clearly that God's way is so much better than our way. Some of you is trying to get you into the palace. Some of you, he wants to get your child into the palace or get your child into the new season or get your loved one in that place. Or some of you, God is calling you today, right now for ministry and you've been wondering about it. Should I do it? Should I not do it? And you're saying, well, what about money? Or what about this? You say, hey, listen, don't listen to the voice of reason. Listen to the voice of God. Live by faith, not by sight. Maybe you're here today and you say, man, should I start that business? Or should I, should I engage on that team? Or should I join that group? Or should I lead in that way? Or maybe I, I shouldn't be in that relationship any longer. Listen to God and say yes. Because he's trying to set you up for the next season of your life, just like he did for Moses. I want you to stand to your feet as we end our time together. Come on, would you just close your eyes for a moment? I want to pray. Holy Spirit, right now, I pray for anyone in the room today, God, who is in a situation, Father, where they are being asked to place their worry, their care, their family, their children in a reed basket and let it go down the Nile. Lord, it's hard to say yes, because, Father, we often think that we know better. But, Lord, your yes is so much better. Lord, your way is so much better. So I pray for grace. I pray for help in their time of need. I pray, Lord, that whatever they're facing today, Lord, that you would bring breakthrough and, Lord, you bring transformation and, God, that you would show them today that there is a great purpose for their life. Lord, I pray you bless every area of their life today. In Jesus' name, amen.